I uh, tried to send out the lineup email today three times where you go in there and you click the MailChimp thing and you, you try to send it out and it froze three times in a row. Two different computers. I went to my office and did it. I did it at home and it froze. Silly means not a whole lot, but it did to me because it's never happened before. I'm like, why can't I send the lineup out? What's the deal with the agenda for the night being frozen? And I prayed about it a little bit and I felt like the Lord said, because I have the agenda for tonight. A lineup email is not bad. You might get one this next week. But for tonight, I felt like the Lord said, I've got the agenda for tonight. And that really gave my heart pause. Think, what is your agenda? What are you doing? And uh, it lined up with what was on my heart to say for what I believe the Lord's doing in this hour. So listen with me for just a few minutes and remember with me the story of Jacob and Joseph. I think the story was just as much about Jacob as it was Joseph and his brothers and what happened with him. But Joseph, the dreamer, had the coat of many colors, favorite of his father, Jacob. He gets uh, thrown down the well, yes. And Reuben says, let's save him. And uh, let's not kill him. Let's save him, put him in the well. I'll come back later and get him out. And then he's sold by the Ishmaelites because the uh, flesh always kicks against the spirit and he's carried off into Egypt. The brothers say, what do we do now? And they take his robe, they dip it in a kid's blood. My kids ask, is that a child? No, that's a goat's blood. And they take it back to their father. And imagine with me for just a moment, Jacob at his tent, old Jacob and his favorite son, and they bring that back. And I just kind of let myself get into the holy imagination of that moment and imagining what Jacob's response was, the weeping, you know? And, and it was a bad death, and it was un, unknown exactly what happened. All that we get is the, the robe torn up. And so here's the hard-hearted brothers that did this to Joseph, watching their father endure this grief, and not one of them say a word or lift a finger to help him out of his grief. Any one of them could have relieved him instantaneously of his grief. But they were so hard-hearted they let it happen. They watch him die literally in front of them in his pain. And that goes on for 11, 12, 13 years. What's God doing in Jacob's heart during that time? He is delivering him from fear because Jacob, the liar, the, the heel grabber, all along has made every decision of his life, including when he fled his home to run away from Esau because of fear. And so the Lord is delivering him from even the loss of this child. I'm still going to be faithful to you. And who does Jacob get? Benjamin, right? He's got this beautiful young son that comes. As if the Lord says, I've not forgotten about you. It's your rainbow baby. Benjamin comes, and what do the older brothers think when they see him? We got a second chance. The Lord's doing something right now in this season. His agenda for us, the brothers say, is a second chance at life to be brothers. We're gonna treat this one right. Jacob's thinking, I've got a second chance. What's the Lord doing in Joseph's heart? The whole time in prison, Potiphar's house, jailer, all that kind of stuff, and the Lord was with Joseph. He was preparing him through the trial. And then it comes time for the famine and the brothers have to go to Egypt to get grain. 
And then because they sowed seeds of lying and manipulation, they reaped lying and manipulation back when Joseph cagily says, you're spies and you've stolen all this. And so they reap what they've sown. They say, no, 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 we're being falsely accused because they falsely accuse their brother. And so then Joseph works it out where he says, I'm keeping one of your brothers until you prove to me you're not liars and bring your youngest brother to me because he wanted to see him. And so what do the brothers do? They hang their heads and go back and tell their father. And Jacob, the man of fear, the man moved by fear is now faced with the ultimate test. Will I do it again? Will I lose that baby boy again, my favorite? Or will I say no? And he says, I just can't do it. I've already lost one. Now another one's held in prison in Egypt. You want me to lose a third? I will not do it. And so they basically get to the point of starving to death. And they say, dad, we've got to go get grain. We have to go back. We have to take Benjamin and back and forth and back and forth. And finally, Jacob says, if I am bereaved, I'm bereaved. And you're all going to take my gray head down to the grave in sorrow but go ahead, take him. If he dies, he dies. And that last vestige of fear holding on to his heart, he just let it go like this. Because in his reality, he'd lost three. He was down three, and they were all about to starve, because that's what he saw with his eyes. And we all know the other side of the story. So the brothers take Benjamin back, Joseph reveals who he really is. There's this huge party. There's this blessing. There's this, this Christ-like figure of Joseph releases healing onto his brothers when they deserve the opposite. There's weeping and there's this magnificent story. And then they all travel back. The brothers come back with Benjamin in tow to get Joseph or to get Jacob. It's true, it's true, it's true. Trust us. Joseph's actually running Egypt. So then Jacob goes back, he falls on Joseph's neck, they weep and they weep, and then Joseph takes him to Pharaoh, and Jacob blesses him. And for sure, the lesser is blessed by the greater. And here comes Jacob limping, and he blesses Pharaoh. And then he gets, gets set up with the best seat in the house in Egypt in Goshen. And he gets the best of the best of the best until he dies. What a beautiful story. What was the Lord doing in that story? He was doing about a thousand things. I mentioned three or four, and there's way, 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 way more he was doing, including saving the entire planet from starvation. But the Lord had an agenda that was higher than any one man's agenda. It was higher than any story. And that story is so beautiful because we see multiple different lives converging, and there's a trial for every single one. The brothers get exposed. They had to go for 11, 12, 13 years of watching their father die emotionally to make their hearts sad enough to where they actually stick up for their brother in, in Egypt. I think it was Judah that said, take my life. Don't take my brother's life. I'll sacrifice my life for his. And he made a complete 180 from what he had done earlier. The Lord today is doing something with coronavirus, with an election that's gone the way it has gone, with the economy, and with the church and the fault lines of politics and pandemic that are dividing so many people. The Lord is doing more than we could ever imagine, 
And the word that I want to give to you is the same word that I would say to Jacob if I was at his tent while he was like, I've already lost Joseph. He's for sure dead. And now I've probably lost Benjamin. He'll for sure probably die. And what am I going to say to Jacob if I'm standing right beside him? Do not fear. It's about to be really good. And it's actually way different than you think it is. And you're actually about to enjoy more honor and victory than you could ever imagine. Hang on. There's a little bit longer to wait, but do not fear. The Lord is doing a lot. And his brothers being accused of being, slay, uh, of being spies, and they're afraid we're about to go to prison for life. Pharaoh's right-hand man is going to put us on the chopping block. What do you say? Do not fear. The Lord's finishing something off in your heart. Hang in there. Joseph got that word when he was in prison. He just did it preemptively. So what I say to you is what I'm saying to myself right now. The Lord, I believe, is setting us free from our love affair with the world. So I had a dream two weeks ago. I was going to preach this last week, and I didn't get around to it, but I had to say it now. So I have a dream that um, Lizzie is in a relationship with another man. And it's uh, an intimate relationship. And I'm watching it happen, and I'm witnessing the whole thing, and she knows that I know. And when she comes back to me, she's very nonchalant. And I'm like, what are you thinking? What are you doing? Like, I'm brokenhearted, and I, and I start to weep. And in the dream, I'm weeping and my heart's hurting so bad that I, I, I'm holding my chest like this. And she's smiling. And she says, we didn't even kiss. And I drop down to the ground in a fetal position. I'm just moaning and groaning. And then I'm transferred to my office at work and all my employees are hearing me weep and they're like closing their doors because it's so awkward how loud I'm weeping. And she's talking about nonchalant things like dinner, and just, you know, just movies and different things like that. She's acting like, it's not a big deal. We didn't even kiss. And I'm just aghast in the dream that this happened. And I wake up feeling the pain in my heart. Of course, I checked to see if Lizzie was home right after that. <clears throat> there she was reading her Bible in the chair right beside me when I woke up. But I've never been through a divorce. Some of you have. And I can't imagine the pain but I feel like I got a taste of it. And my heart hurt when I woke up physically. I could feel the pain. And you know the first thought that came into my mind when I woke up? You adulterers, friendship with the world is enmity against God. Let me read to you James 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You don't have because you don't ask God. When you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you might spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, it's a strong word. You adulteresses, don't you know? Don't you know, Lizzie, in that dream? I'm like, don't you know? Nothing matters. Your worship doesn't matter. Your sacrifices don't matter. Your prayers don't matter. 
Your heart matters. That's what I really care about. All that stuff is important, but not right now. Think about all the scriptures where God's like, take away your sacrifices. Stop your singing. It's like noise in my ears. None of that matters. Because you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses, and it is a choice to be a friend of the world, becomes an enemy of God. Or don't you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs to possess the human spirit that he's caused to dwell in us? Lizzie and I are doing great, by the way. That was a parable for me to walk through because I'm supposed to say it to you, I felt like. Friendship with the world, we're being divorced from the world right now. And we're being divorced right now from our comforts and our securities and our conveniences and from some wrong ways of thinking right now. And it hurts, but it's a good hurt, I promise. Because if I'm made in God's image, and I am, and I have the emotions like God that he has, how much more is his heart hurting and how much more does he weep at our adultery every single day with our love of the world and our comfort here? I'm not talking about people. We love people in the world. I'm talking about the world's system, the world's ways, the world's thinking, the world's values. That's one of the things the Lord's doing in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of this crisis, in the midst of the election. He's divorcing us from the love of the world and he's jealous for our hearts first and foremost. So I want to encourage you that if you are sacrificing spiritual things like are very good to do, if you're giving him spiritual acts of worship, but you have yet to sacrifice in the natural to get your affairs in order. Because Abraham had to sacrifice Isaac, yes, on the altar, but which son had to go first? Anybody remember? Ishmael. And until he was ready to get rid of the slave woman's son and get rid of what was tainting his house, the flesh that kicks against the spirit. Until he was ready to let that go, he was not ready to offer spiritual sacrifices. And Jesus is after our hearts. And I've said this before, but sometimes it's easier to fast multiple days in a row and to go to the ends of the earth to make disciples and evangelism and all that kind of stuff than it is to love my wife by shutting off some entertainment, or taking some time off work and just obeying the Lord and being with her. Sometimes the promptings of the Holy Spirit are so simple and so realistic that we think it's not very grand to do that. I would rather do something great for God. Sometimes it gets the attention of man. And God says to obey is better than sacrifice. It's better than the blood of bulls and rams. The very highest thing you could sacrifice, just simple obedience. That's what I'm looking for. Sometimes just to go across the hallway and knock on the door and invite that neighbor to come to my house to eat dinner with me is harder than preaching, sermon after sermon, leaving worship, all this kind of good stuff that we can do. And he says, lay it down, just the simple obedience. 
Sometimes that lie that we hold on to, it's not, we just know it's there. We have to get it out in the open. It's more important to God that we just do that than any amount of sacrifice or that hidden sin, whatever it is. He's asking for it. He's asking for our hearts. And so I want to pray for you about that. And then I hope there's a few of you that have some testimonies uh, tonight. And then we'll do some, uh, some ministry after that. So if you have a testimony and want to come up here, you can do that. You want to say something before I pray? Come up here. And then we'll...